my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am sending you so much love and positivity and prosperity as we go into this new year, if you're listening to this episode live. Last week, I talked a lot about the sadness and, and feeling down and hopefully validating those of you who needed to hear that, um, that it was okay to not feel okay. And as we get closer to January and get closer to our new year, I do do hope that uh, you are starting to to feel renewed, that you're starting to feel some hope and optimism about what you're stepping into, into this new chapter. And if not, I hope that this voice and this energy helps you get there and hold space for that hope while you're hoping to, to be able to, to tap into it. With that said, one of the things that we commonly talk about, a common trend that happens as we come into every new year is what is it that we want to feel? What is it that we want to see? What is it that we want to embody? Who is this newer version of me that I want to step into? Or who is the version of me that I want to maintain, right? Or if you are not a new year, new me type of person, just how do I continue to love myself with where I am without gimmicks, without all of the hoopla and the flair, how do I support me? And today's episode, I have a special guest, Michelle Goodlow, who is known for helping people embody self-love and really cultivate it. She's going to be joining us today. So I interview, I interviewed Michelle about all things self-love. She talked about dropping the superwoman cape. She talked about embodying our emotions and not hiding from them. And she was just a joy and a pleasure to talk to so I hope that you really find inspiration and promise and, and aspiration from this interview with Michelle. She talks about some tools that she gives her clients as well. She is a social worker. And I hope that you find this to be exactly what you need for getting that near, new year started. So that's it for our intro. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is, I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. 
They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so on the podcast today, I have the Michelle Goodlow. Hi, Michelle. Hello, how are you? (laughs) I'm fantastic. I am So excited to talk with you about all things self-love and connection and finding tools to build affirmation. And I was telling you before we got started how grateful I am to one that I was connected to you and introduced to you a few years ago by a mutual colleague of ours, uh, Mm -hmm. Les from Balanced Balanced Black Girl. And just really impressed I am by all the work you've already been doing to support Black women and help us heal. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. And it's my pleasure right back at you. (laughs) Awesome. Great. Well, before we start talking about all things self-love, can you introduce the audience to you? Absolutely. My name is Michelle Goodlow. I am a first-time mom. I am a Taurus son. I am a big fan of Monopoly. And I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I have been trying my best to introduce myself with things that are about me before even diving into my professional titles is really a personal challenge to myself because I'm more than my work. um, And that's just one part of me. Professionally, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm a private practice therapist, a wellness author, and the creator of G. Michelle Wellness, a space where we are centered on creating self-care opportunities for caring and hardworking people especially Black women. And I am incredibly excited to be here. Michelle, within within the first sentence, before we're even getting into our discussion, (laughs) I I had to hold my hands back from snapping and clapping (laughs) with even just your introduction and how beautiful and powerful that is that we are not what we do and learning how to define who we are outside of these labels and these external factors. Yeah, it's hard work. It's hard, but it's worth it. We'll talk about it. Well, let's, can we jump right there? Tell me, let's how did it. you get to that place where one, you even realized that that was something that needed to happen and then also figuring out how do you find yourself outside of the things that you do when it feels so much a, a part of your identity? Yeah. I Let me say, first and foremost, I love being a social worker. I I remember being so excited just learning about this particular career field and diving into graduate school, Um, really starting my career. I I was a domestic violence counselor, was my first full-time job out of grad school, and loving the work. I felt so passionate about it. And in full transparency, I felt really good at it because I appreciated the trauma-informed way of working with folks who were experiencing interpersonal violence and violence within their relationships. But I noticed as I continued within my career, 
I noticed my entire identity started to become that of a social worker. My boundaries between work and personal life were becoming more and more blurred. And self-care, what is self-care? I was not taking care of myself during this time. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't even taking care of myself in terms of going to the doctor. I had like a perpetual cold for a long time. And it wasn't until one of my child clients at the time noticed that I wasn't showing up as a physically cared person and said, Miss Michelle, are you okay? Are you all right? Oh, I remember kind of pausing and realizing I wasn't showing up as somebody who was taking care of themselves. And even instead of having compassion for myself, I felt guilty. I felt like, look at me now, I'm a distraction to this child's healing process. And so there's a lot of layers to that. And it took me not only getting support um, from my supervisor at the time, from my team, but also getting some mental health support to kind of figure out why did I feel so guilty about taking care of myself as a social worker? And not only did that begin my personal journey of self-care, but I also learned I'm actually not the only one feeling this way. And that also began my journey into G. Michelle wellness. Mm. You know, out of the mouth of babes, huh? how, how good they are at telling the truth and also telling the truth when we need to hear it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was your aha moment. Absolutely. As you moved into creating your self-identity and by nature of that, which we are going to talk more specifically about self-love and feel free to start to define it here if you want, mm-hmm. but how, how do you, when your gifts are strongly connected to what you do, so let's say social working, mm-hmm. social working is strongly connected to the qualities of being someone who's generous, someone who's being, who, who is empathic, someone who is intuitive and sensitive, which are all qualities of you, even without the title. So how do you start to build a nuance between who you are versus what you do? Such an important question. First, I have to really think about, okay, well, I wasn't always a social worker. What are some things about me that couldn't change if my job were to disappear tomorrow? And some of those traits you definitely listed, having empathy for others, being compassionate to others, being resourceful. But then I also had to realize what are some things about what I do that can't be monetized or turned into a quote unquote service? That was something else I explored. And then what are my interests? What are my hobbies? What are my activities? That part is even a struggle for me to this day because I love what I do and I spend so much time doing it that sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, it's hard to turn that part of me off. So it's been, and it still is, I like to say this is in progress right now, but exploring what what and who my identity is outside of my professional roles. What are the other roles? that I need to take care of and that need my attention. Like obviously being a parent, but also being a friend, a sister, a community member, all of those other roles also need my energy and time. So when I talk about self-care and self-love in those different ways, I think about boundaries. What are the boundaries between my work life and the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. 
a couple of key points I just pulled from that. Who would I be and what would remain if everything was removed or stripped? Uh, what are the qualities that are truly mine stood out to me? Also, uh, this is a throwback to something you said earlier, though, not having guilt when it comes to exploring who I am outside of what I do or guilt or shame. And I, you know, when I think about professions and people who aren't healers, I think the same amount of, of fear or anxiety or just feelings of loss can come up there, especially if everything we're taught is geared towards what do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And the labels and the titles that you're going to hold, even if it's not professionally, but one day aspiring to be a wife, a mother, a mentor, a Forbes 500 CEO, you know, like everything is geared towards having a certain title versus being the best you that you can be because you won't be enough until you reach those, those mountain peaks. And so learning how to stay present and learning how to cultivate who you are is so important. Did you have any thoughts? I heard you say "Mm," to that, but did you have any other thoughts about that? Yeah, this entire concept of enough, doing enough, being enough. What came up for me as you were sharing that was how so early on, so many of us are socialized to try to achieve someone else's version of enough. And mm-hmm. when it comes to self-care and self-love, I think, and, and again, it can take some time, but I think it's important to really reflect on what is actually your version of enough. These past couple of years, myself and my close loved ones, this is something we've been reflecting on because we're exposed to so many different um, other people's experiences of achievement and success and popularity and abundance. But sometimes you, you get lost. You get lost and it's hard to find what actually makes you happy, what brings you joy, what fills you up and what is your version of enough. I think it's important to define that for yourself. And again, a lot of times we don't even get the opportunity because we're told early on, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And just like you were describing, yeah, it's it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. There is a parable, and then I would love for us to transition to self-love, because I, I, f- I feel like you're the type of person I could talk to you about one mm-hmm. thing in depth and go super deep. <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep, keep us on track. Okay. But uh, there's a parable that I always paraphrase so poorly, so apologies ahead of time. But uh, there was a man who went to an island and saw a man who was fishing. And he asked the man, how much do you fish and how much do you catch? And he's like, well, I'll make enough just for today. And so then the other, the second man was trying to tell him how, well, if you fish this much and then you fish that much, then you will be able to have enough money and have enough fish in stock so that you can build a business and get more fishers under you and just expand and scale, you know, all these buzzwords that we hear right now in our culture about side hustles and everything else. And then the man says, well, if I do that, then what will I get from that? And he's like, well, you'll be able to have money and be successful. Okay. And once I'm successful, and once I have money, then what will I be able to do? Well, then you'll be able to retire early. Okay. And if I retire early, then what will I be able to do? Well, you'll be able to rest and relax. And then the fish man was like, so like I'm doing right now, like right now, I need to work harder to do what I can already have today. And I think we spend so much time 
looking outside of us for to give us permission to start to enjoy and relax and to be present in the moments right now because what's around us today is what we are looking for. We're looking for love. We're looking for connection. We're looking for peace and security, but we can claim those things now. Those things don't come with a certain number in your bank account. It doesn't come with the status of marriage or a singlehood. It doesn't come with a certain number of kids. You know, those are amazing things, but we could start to grasp those things today. Mm-hmm. We can, we really can. Oh, listen, I, I know you said you may have not been saying it correctly, but the message landed for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I, that's why it's, it's hard, but I think the practice of gratitude is is a beautiful thing when you're able to to practice it because sometimes, I know all of us are in different stages. Some of us truly are building and we are repairing and we are healing from some really traumatic things. But I think there's probably a good majority of us who, if we actually look around, we have everything that we've been praying for mm-hmm. and all the things that years, the us from years ago would have always wanted. And so once yeah. we start to cultivate that and, and just um, and, and celebrate that, then maybe we may find more contentment and security and peace within us. Mm-hmm. So. Part of that thing that people be praying for is self-love, self-contentment, feeling good, having high self-esteem. So when you think of self-love, because this is your area of expertise, how do you define it to your audience and to your clients? My idea of self-love is having an unconditional and understanding appreciation for yourself. Mm. It's, It's having compassion, kindness, curiosity, and I have to emphasize understanding for yourself. It's, it is truly having a healthy relationship with yourself. That's what it means to me to be Mm self-loving. Love that. So how does one start that journey? What does that look like? The first for me is to have some self-awareness to really examine where you are right now within your relationship with yourself. I did a lot of this work in my first position as a social worker when talking to folks about domestic violence and intimate partner violence, because a lot of the relationships that I've seen with the survivors that I worked with were traumatic and power and control came up a lot, a lot as we described their relationship dynamics. And part of the healing process that I would work through with survivors was talking about not only their relationships with their intimate partners and their relationships with other loved ones, but also their relationship with themselves. What does it mean to be in relationship with yourself? You know, is it complicated? You know, is it distant? Is it, is it tumultuous? You know, what, what is your relationship with yourself? How would you look into that? That would be the starting place. Because sometimes I say that with folks and they're like, Michelle, what are you talking about, girl? A relationship with yourself. Yes, you are with yourself all the time. It is the relationship that needs a lot of care because it's you're in a relationship with yourself for the long haul. So it's important to recognize how do you feel about yourself? How do you talk to yourself? What is your inner dialogue, right? And how do you treat yourself? Right. We could we could have a whole bunch of questions that come after that. But that's what I'm talking about, starting with that Mm self-awareness. 
Yeah. So you, you even broken down even more because I was going to ask, do your clients understand what that means? Because you, I mean, you know, as well as I do that a lot of times when it comes to self-help and healing work, that people can say these big obtuse terms, like you should just love yourself and, and, and people may be really earnest, but literally not know where to start. And that just seems so abstract, but you broke down some questions, like, how do you talk to yourself? What, what do you personally think about yourself? How do you treat yourself? Um, are, are, those, are those the type of questions mm-hmm. that you mean? Yes, absolutely. I think it's so important to start there. And even though it is nearly impossible to completely be 100% non-judgmental, try your best to observe what comes up for you with the least amount of judgment as possible. Try to replace that judgment with curiosity, right? So let's say that you have a relationship with yourself that doesn't feel that great. You notice that there's a lot of negative self-talk that comes up. You're really critical of yourself. You're really hard on yourself. I'd like to say, start by putting some question marks behind some of that negative self-talk to really get to know what's going on with you and your relationship with yourself. And, and again, this takes practice and sometimes it really takes support from you know, a licensed mental health professional to really dive into this. So I wanna be really mindful of that. But kind of having some of that talk, like a ne- some, some negative self-talk could be, man, I, I am not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more, that dreaded should, right? So what if you put a question mark behind that statement and say it with that as if it's a question? I'm not doing enough? I'm not doing enough. Then I want you to answer it because there's a good chance you're doing a lot, a lot. You may be doing it. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Enough. You may be working hard enough. You may be showing up enough. You may be really tired. 
let's recognize some of that humanity with that curiosity. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. I love that, Michelle. I love that. The exact same words, but the second, like you said, it invites challenge. It invites Mm -hmm. the the potential alternative that what you're thinking is not fact, which on one hand we may logically know, but that doesn't mean we believe it. Mm -hmm. Look, I did it to myself early this morning. Oh, yeah? Can you say more about (laughs) that? Absolutely. I am working through and learning what does it mean to be a mom that has balance, at least mm-hmm. some version of balance. And mm-hmm. my life was feeling really busy this morning. And I noticed some of my negative self-talk started creeping in. Literally that statement, that's why it was so fresh on my mind of mm-hmm. doing enough. You know, am, am I being productive enough? I'm not being productive enough, I'm not. And I had to stop and think. And again, that's, that's my relationship with myself. I'm trying to take care of myself better that way. And wait a minute, Michelle, you're actually doing a lot of things. And I started running through my morning. I just stopped and paused for a second of doing laundry, taking care of my son, of managing appointments, of answering emails. And once I started running through that, I had a lot of evidence that showed that I was doing plenty. I was actually doing more than enough. Let me sit down and have a cup of coffee. Let me put my feet up for just a second. I'm doing plenty. And it, it's that kind of practice, and it may feel really small, but it adds up to being a self-loving and self-compassionate person. Again, we are all a work in progress there. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I've, I've been saying recently a lot to people how we can, we can get addicted to that self-development and personal development and self, self-love work. But sometimes it's not just because we are trying to be a better version of ourselves. It's really an acting out of us feeling like we're not enough. So we'll always find a project or a therapist or a coach or a program or a book or something to make us better. But instead of realizing that right now what we're doing, like you, exactly what you just said, we're already enough mm-hmm. and everything else is extra. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what else about self-love do we need to know if we are wanting to practice it? Yeah. With practicing self-love, it's important not only to recognize what your relationship is with yourself, but also to match that with self-care. 
when I say self-care, I'm talking about, I have a really big definition for it. When we're taking care of ourselves, we're actually doing what we need to do to show up as our favorite versions of ourselves. So with self-care, a self-care practice means identifying and addressing your needs in a routine way. So if I can put that all together, if we're being self-loving, having that unconditional understanding and love for ourselves, we're applying it not only by taking care of our relationship with ourselves, but also engaging in self-care so that we can show up as our favorite versions of ourselves by identifying and addressing our needs in a routine way. That's the whole formula. <laughs> I like the formula. I love a system. Yeah. So you talk in your book about Black women and taking off the super woman case. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about self-love, I'm wondering if you can talk about that connection, what that looks like to practice, I mean, I mean self-care, what that looks mm -hmm. like to practice self-care if you're used to doing everything. Yes. Again, I want to emphasize having just awareness of what's going on. Do you, do you feel like the strong Black woman? Do you feel like the superhero everywhere? Do you feel like you're taking on too much? Because every Black woman's experience is different. And with, with I Own My Magic, with my book, I wanted to present some options because I think a lot of Black women don't feel like they have any options on how they want to function within the world. And that particular chapter, I'm biased, I like all the chapters, but that's one of my favorite chapters because you have the option to remove your superwoman cape in ways that feel right to you. First, you got to know that you're wearing it. That's the first piece. And then how heavy is it? Like what's back there? What's on your shoulders that you feel you have to carry within your different roles? So as part of self-care for Black women who feel like they have to be strong all the time, who feel like they have to be Black super women in their lives, my question is, is this how you want to operate all the time? And would you be open to exploring other options? I think that's a great question, but you said something that's really important that I didn't ask before I, I asked the question or I didn't say, what is uh, the superwoman syndrome or how would someone know if they're wearing a cape to try to be superwoman in their life in a way that is detrimental? Yeah, the Black superwoman narrative, and there's a lot of different ways to see that. Some folks call it a syndrome. Some folks call it a narrative. I, I choose to call it a narrative is the idea that Black women are beyond human. We are always strong. We are rarely vulnerable. We are capable and able to do all things, do it and do them very well. Everyone can rely on us and we are always available to do the impossible. I really like to be intentional with those words. A lot of everys, a lot of always, a lot of everything. Because when I think about the Black superwoman narrative, I think of something that is not human. And, and I say that intentionally, that it's, it's a way of, and again, a lot of this has been socialized. There's generational and historical context to how this persona came to be, how this narrative came to be. So this, a lot of Black women are not choosing this. They, have, they are being told, we are being told to be this. Um, mm -hmm that as we're showing up in this way, 
we're doing things that are not human because we're not recognizing our vulnerability. We don't even have opportunities to be soft. Like, can, can we get a, can we get an opportunity to be soft? I want to sit down, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also part of this narrative is that engaging in humanity means you're selfish or weak or not careful or careless. There's, there's a lot of extremes that come with this narrative of being a black superwoman. And I'm gonna be honest with you, even as I'm talking about it, I feel my heart beating faster and I feel something in my throat. Like it's just, I feel so strongly about talking about this and describing it because man, a lot of us are just so tired. Mm-hmm. So tired. So tired. And I think about the vision of how as Black women, we are not allowed to be human, not allowed to be damsels, not allowed to be uh, considered fragile and delicate, um, not only within in other circles, but also within our own community. There's this catch, yeah. there's this weird line between you deserve everything you want and you deserve to be taken care of. And even some people listening to me use those words, fragile, delicate, um, um, gentle. And uh, there is a part of us, at least I'll speak for me. There's a part of me that has been trained to resist that, to see that as an insult, to see that as uh, being vulnerable and mean one step away from being taken advantage of. When really, like you said, I'm tired. I, I don't want to be strong. I want to be treated and um, and uh, seen as in, the, in princess eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we are we are told to do the opposite. Yeah, it, and that that leads me to another piece of this. Again, there's a lot of context that comes with this narrative. It a lot of times the world is not safe for us. Mm-hmm. part of that narrative too is is that kind of like a hyper protection of self and of our community too, because black women are doing a lot of heavy lifting. We're doing a lot of protecting and we know a lot. We know that the, the realities of this world and we're trying our best to try and feel safe within it, even though it does not feel safe a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, hearing you talk, I never thought about this, but hearing you say this, I wonder if the best way to have some guerrilla warfare in knowing guerrilla emotional warfare, even in knowing that the world can be unsafe, is if we reclaim our ability to have our emotions at all times. Because I think an earlier version of, of me would have heard what you just said as a charge to, okay, I can be soft, but also keep your eyes open. And the me I am today, today I'm like, no. I, I am not carrying around machetes and uh, emotional machetes and like packs of dynamite on my back in case shit goes down. I'm going to allow myself to feel all my feelings, to feel them exactly as I need them and to share them. I think about how, you know, we'll talk about white women's tears and uh, using that fragility as a weapon and how we don't get to the, especially in workplace scenarios and how we don't really get the opportunity to be our full selves and to share our emotions. And I'm like, I I get to have my emotions <laughs> anytime I want to, you know, and their their inability to hold it is not my responsibility. What are your thoughts about that since you're currently working in that space with women who are in this place as well? I'm over here giving you a deep nod 
My eyes are closed. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> My response to that is yes, ma'am. That That is the epitome of owning your humanity, which is something we have been denied. Again, historically, generationally, systemically. It's, it is so important to view ourselves in that way, even though we are living within a world that's still struggling to view us that way. We don't need anybody's permission to own all of our feelings whenever we want to. Yeah, it feels yeah. incredibly empowering and justified to hear that. Awesome. Great. Well, I appreciate that positive affirmation <laughs> and reinforcement. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so, yes, we have been talking about your book. Your book is called I Own My Magic, Self-Talk for Black Women. It is this pocket-sized, incredible, deeply powerful, guided journal and affirmation uh, tool that I think is just phenomenal. Can you talk a little bit more about your book? Thank you. That, that's exactly the impression I hope it makes. Uh, this, this very special book, I've been writing for a while, um, di just different bits and pieces. I think it's important that if it's flowing in my mind, I gotta get it down, never know where it's gonna be used. So it's a collection of different aspects of self-care and affirmation for black women. I've noticed that there are a lot of self-care resources floating in our world but there aren't as many directly for and created by Black women. And that was one of the motivations for creating this particular book and really focusing on how we not only see ourselves and take care of ourselves, but how we speak to ourselves. Throughout this book, there are sprinkles of affirmations that I actually encourage the reader to say out loud if they can, if the space feels right to literally talk to yourself in a way that's kind and affirming, to hear it with your own voice. Cause I'll be so honest with you. I used to think affirmations were super corny <laughs> <laughs> until mm -hmm. I started creating my own. Mm -hmm. Because in a lot of ways, affirmations are the ways that we speak to ourselves. It's kind of like a self script and my favorite affirmation that I've been using for years now, since that little child noticed that I wasn't well years ago, is I am too important to not take care of myself. Mm. Mm -mm. I'm too important. Mm -hmm. If I can't take care of myself, I cannot show up and be the person that I love to be. Yeah. That one sticks with me. It's been with me for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. I'm going I, to take that one. I'm oh, sorry, go please, ahead. Please, please do. Please, yes. it, we need to hear that. And even as I hear myself say it, again, all of this is just in the present. We're doing a lot of mindfulness here. But even as I hear myself say that, it's like, yeah, Michelle, you really are too important. What you need to do, take care of yourself, girl. What you need. It's, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the dialogue that starts with me and my relationship with myself. So all of this, I am trying to share the goodies. I, I don't want to keep them to myself. I want to share them with the world. This is how we, we get to a place where we can take care of ourselves and love ourselves in a very genuine way. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. And I just 
I, I really want to emphasize that I think this would be a great tool for those of us who are just starting this journey and even those of us who are deeply within this journey because your prompts are so well-written in being able to do that self-reflection, especially generating words for things you may not have had words for before or thought to even ask yourself. I mean, I know even sometimes people listen to the podcast and try to take out nuggets and, and make journaling prompts for them. If you're one of those people, I think this book would be a really great next step. And I'm not getting paid to say that. <laughs> that is Thank a genuine you. endorsement yes <laughs> yes so what are is there any other main main tip or tool that you think those who are healing in these areas and wanting to grow in their self-love would benefit from hearing from you um, today in the podcast yeah if something in our conversation really sparked with you run with that feeling. That's the first thing that I like to share, especially as somebody who loves listening to podcasts myself. Mm -hmm. And also to help build your self-loving relationship, I strongly recommend if there was an activity, a hobby, something that interests you, that you absolutely loved putting energy into that has nothing to do with work, I strongly advise you to tap into that if you haven't already. For me, that's dance. I, I absolutely love dancing. It doesn't have to be in a formal way. That's something I love connecting to that makes me remember how much I love myself and how much fun I like having with myself. So that's something I want to leave folks with as, as we look into this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Take care of your inner child and playing. Yes. You said you said it perfectly too when you said not having to monetize it. I think that's not just for those of us who are entrepreneurs or own our own business. I think it's kind of a trend in general culture, culture right now that if there's something that you're good at, you should be making a side business from it. And I even have people say to me, well, I really like this thing, but I really don't feel like making a making it a an income stream because they have been hearing from society around them that it, it should do double duty. And I'm like, girl, if you like to roller skate, just roller skate. You don't have to teach lessons. You don't have to, you know, push your crochet items on, on Etsy. You can do it just for you, just for you. That's it. That's it. That's it. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This has been so great. I am so happy uh, to have our audience connected with you now. Can you tell them where they can find you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. My website is G as in good, Michelle with two L's.com. I'm also on social media at the G Michelle on Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. You will find me there. Feel free to sign up for my free email list where I'm talking about this good stuff weekly, weekly-ish in some periods, I, I would love for us to stay connected. So I hope y'all find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.